Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Holly Pierce for this month's episode of our Woman in Supply Chain series. Holly has over 20 years industry experience. She has had multiple director-level roles at global logistics firms, and she really knows her stuff. Plus, we talk about the logistics of Disney and the circus. She gave us a lot of great insight on the show around how the industry is changing, but also advice for young people who might be thinking about a career in supply chain. Holly also told us about her journey, her experiences as a woman, and why after 20 years in the game, she decided to go back to school to study for an MBA and Master of Supply Chain Management. It was a great episode, really interesting and inspirational, so I really hope that you enjoyed it. But as always, if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 353. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Ready to empower the people and improve the processes that grow your business? Esker's AI-driven solutions make it easy by delivering greater speed, strategy, and security across your entire enterprise. Visit esker.com today and learn why Esker is used by finance, procurement, and customer service leaders around the world as their trusted global cloud platform. Esker transform the way you work. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Before we start the show, I'm going to ask you a question. According to a recent report, what percentage of supply chain managers say that they are using Excel spreadsheets as their primary management tool? It's 2023. Surely it's not that many anymore, right? Well, let us know your guesses over on social media and keep listening because I'll give you the shocking truth at the end of the show. So today I'm talking and I'm joined by a company that is on a mission to tackle data chaos in the supply chain. Having seen some of what data chaos firsthand, I can tell you it's mission the industry desperately needs. And we are talking to OSA Commerce. OSA specializes in connecting, unifying, and automating commerce operations for retailers, logistics providers, and their customers. With its advanced AI-powered collaborative visibility platform and intelligent decision-making capabilities, OSA powers supply chains to sell wherever their customers are so they can focus on scalable growth and be one step ahead. And it's Yifat, co-founder and chief growth officer at OSA, who is joining me for the show today. With nearly two decades of experience in the e-commerce industry, Yifat has proven track record of driving global growth for omni-channel retail businesses. Prior to OSA, she founded and managed a multi-million dollar retail business that distributed contemporary brands internationally. And Yifat was also awarded the S. 
SDCE Executives 2022 Woman in Supply Chain Award. She is one impressive woman. So today, Yifat will be telling me all about her career journey, why she founded OSA and what they do, how e-commerce is changing the industry, combining the power of collaboration and visibility for big results, and tackling data chaos in the supply chain. So welcome to the show, Yifat. Hey, Sarah. So nice to be here. I love your podcast and you. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And I feel the exact same way about you. And so I am so excited to have you here. I mean, you're a founder, an award winner, a member of industry groups, one championing women. You're a Stanford graduate. I mean, you're so inspirational. And we're going to have to have you back on for our Woman in Supply Chain series at some point, because there is so much that I want to ask you about. And I don't think that one show is going to be enough. So let's dive right in and get this conversation started. The show today is about OSA, but I do want to get a taste for your founder journey, first of all, because you've been in the industry almost as long as I have, so nearly, well, probably a little bit less than I have, but nearly 20 years, and this, is, this isn't the first company that you founded. So what has that journey looked like, and why did you start OSA? It really gives away the the age thing. Thank you, Sarah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I started uh, my first uh, venture when I was uh, in my early twenties. Uh, I actually lived in Europe for a few years in Amsterdam, and I really fell in love with the boutiques and the lifestyle stores. And I I I, I had this idea in my head that I have to do it, and I have to bring it. I'm Israeli for my accent. So I had to bring it to Israel and I created a chain of retail stores and that grew into a distribution business and a wow. private label that we had and we manufactured um, and we were doing, you know, all the things e-commerce before really understanding what e-commerce was all about. So pop store, pop shops and email blasts and then selling a little bit online through newsletters. So we were exploring it all and I was able to exit with that company uh, and I moved to the U.S. And then I joined Zulili.com mm-hmm. and I was head of their international business. So, again, bringing all those partnerships and brands into the U.S., mm-hmm. understanding firsthand the challenges, right? That right. Uh, at that time, everything was changing. Omnichannel became a word. And uh, how do you how do you? How do you bring all of that? Yeah. How do you bring brands that are successful abroad into marketplaces here and create new businesses for them? And it was very complicated. So I really felt those pain points firsthand. And that's sort of how I found myself in supply chain. Who would have thought, right? Uh, But really through those pain points. That's amazing. I love I love how everybody's journey into supply chain is so very, very different. And they come from different places, right? And then I feel like supply chain invents words all the time. So when you said omni-channel, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah we did that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we created a word. That's so funny. So um, out of all of that, how did you come to establish or found OSA? So I was lucky enough to meet um, two great partners, uh, my co-founders. One comes from a 
deep cybersecurity background, um, mm. also Israeli. Uh, the other one comes from deep supply chain industry knowledge and technology, uh, ex-Manhattan associates. And together, you know, from our diverse backgrounds, it really clicked together. We thought, okay, what is the next thing? How do we support brands and retailers that really can't access the technologies of the right. Walmarts and Targets of the world and Amazon? Um, how can we support them, make it better for them? And that's how it started. We were just like trying different things, understanding that visibility was such a crucial thing uh, in supply chain. Amazing. Amazing. And that's kind of how um, like impactful companies really do happen into success, right? Because you have this problem, you know that there should be a solution out on the market. There's not quite the solution that you're looking for. And so you decide to dive in and do that. Now, before we talk a little bit more about what OSA does, let's talk about the landscape of e-commerce. You've talked about how you've been in e-commerce for a while now, and we all know that there was a boom, right? Largely due to the pandemic. And we think things are stabilizing, but I think it's true to say that it's totally changed the industry and probably in ways that many of us don't even know yet because we're still, I mean, kind of struggling to catch up. So as an e-commerce expert, what's your take on all of this? How has e-commerce changed? What are we, where are we at now? Like, and where are we headed? What do you think? I think the customer is demanding much, much more today. Mm -hmm. uh, they want everything fast. I mean, look at the generation, you know, I have a teenage daughter there. They want it very, very fast. And now, uh, but even just a funny story, my six year old, um, we ordered something for her on Amazon yep. and she even knows to go and ask, okay, when is it coming? What day? It's supposed <laughs> to be two days. She's like, she's telling me it's supposed to be two days. And then there's a delay and she gets frustrated, but it was supposed to be here yesterday. So I think that um, is definitely driving what companies are doing today to yeah. be closer to the customer, making that customer happy. How we get there is, is, is challenging. Yeah, it really is. And you actually reminded me, I think my nephew, when he was like four or five, or I think he put $2,000 worth of teddy bears into an Amazon cart. Oh my God. Oh and my God. Almost pressed the checkout button. So people check your Amazon carts <laughs> on a regular basis. Absolutely. Um, so tell us about OSA and like how you fit into the big e commerce puzzle. Who are you? What do you do? How do you help your customers? So, yeah, it also our mission is to tackle the data chaos in supply chain. There's a ton of systems, desperate systems, a lot of data floating around. Um, brands are utilizing ERPs, different WMSs. They have to connect to different marketplaces. So what we do is really we make it easy. We connect the dots. We connect the dots between manufacturing, mm -hmm. marketplaces, giving them more uh, uh, opportunities to increase their revenue through different marketplaces, mm -hmm. connecting them to their 3PL warehousing, and then, of course, last mile. So we take care of the entire product journey. Uh, mm -hmm. We always say that the brand story is the product journey. And for many years, brands really, really focused on the front end, how are they telling the story. But one bad experience in that product journey mm -hmm. It, you know, it can get bad. So we really give our partners the, the ability to connect it from the manufacturer to the customer door in real time. So they're getting all of that in real time. Well, and that's so very important. I mean, I talk a lot on 
each of my shows about how important customer experience is, right? How important each parts of the supply chain affects your end consumer and what that means to you as a brand, as an organization, and whether you're going to have to spend a lot of money to get them back. So I can only imagine how you are helping those customers. But who are those customers? I think you work with retailers, brands, 3PLs, 4PLs, and you talk about scaling. So do you prefer working with small to medium-sized businesses or like who is your ideal client? Yeah, so the... That's a good question because the platform is enterprise level. So we've shipped 14 million units through this platform already wow. and we've done 150 million transactions. So really? you can scale with us. But I think our sweet spot is really the small and medium because they can really leverage and they really need these technologies um, to be fast and agile. And that's what we provide. So we help them connect really, really, really fast and create the ecosystem that they need to, to grow in. So definitely retailer, brands, and the 3PL who support the brands, right? Because they have, they're getting the request from the brands and retailers today to meet the requirements of the industry. And they don't have these technologies most of the time. So they need to adapt as well. Well, yeah. And it's a competitive advantage, right? Like how does a small to medium-sized business necessarily compete with the Amazons of the world? Um, they do it through technology. They do it through being able to working with somebody like an OSA, right? Yeah. And they, the, the benefit that the way we thought about the business is really making it easy and tech agnostic. Because when you're thinking, maybe not the small ones that maybe don't have yet all the technology, but the bigger brand, the medium-sized brand, they might be utilizing already technologies. They yeah. don't want to change everything. Change management is costly. It's a risk. So being tech agnostics is giving us that added value where we're at a layer that they can utilize on top of other technologies that they've already been using uh, in their tech stack. Amazing. So let's take a closer look at that OSA platform because there's a lot of different hubs and dashboards within it from warehouse management to last mile. So what does all of that look like? And what are the different ways that your customers can use and engage with the platform? Like give us kind of an inside yeah. view into what it looks like. Yeah, so we're we're basically a collaborative visibility platform. The hubs are there to support the platform. It's one platform, one source of truth. So basically a brand or a 3PL can come to us and say, hey, I have a WMS. I don't need a WMS, but what I really need is to connect to multiple demand channels. I need to increase my 3PL footprint. Uh, how do I do this with you? So they can utilize pieces of the technology under the unified commerce, but everybody who works with us gets access to that dashboard. So mm-hmm. they can connect the technologies that they're currently using and basically have OSA become that unified view, that one source of truth. Um, and all of this is powered by AI, which is important because AI is a is a big uh, topic right now. Yep. It's all about the decision-making entity because, you know, Sarah, visibility is important, no doubt. We want that transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, but a CEO, a VP of logistics sitting there, they want the action. They want to know, okay, what do I do today to improve my business? Yeah. What what is that AI component? What are you using AI to do for your customers? Because, you know, we talk about AI in a variety of different ways and it can do all sorts of different things. I mean, if you think about chat GPT and you need, I don't know, some content for an email or something like that. I mean, that's one way. 
But explain to us how you're using it and how it benefits your customers. Basically, to take all that massive data from different areas and say, okay, where should I put my inventory from a skew level to the skew level? Where should I focus this skew in what marketplaces for the next season? How can I adjust my inventory with my manufacturer in real time? You know, bloated inventory is a big, big topic right now. Um, That's where the AI comes in. So it's basically inventory predictions, right? How do I plan better? Um, But automating those uh, steps for that executive sitting and trying to filter through the data. Mm -hmm. And it can also detect anomalies, right? There's uh, when dealing with so much data, there's a lot of risk associated. We've seen Mm -hmm. in retail, the leaks in data. Um, So definitely that's an important piece as well. But it's just allowing them to automate the decision-making. That's simply putting it. Yeah, and I love all the words that you're using, right? Collaboration, visibility, optimization, speed. I mean, that's really what supply chain brands or supply chain professionals, organizations, that's what they're really looking for, right? So do you have, you know, a case study that you can share to bring some of those benefits that you're talking about to life? Paint us a picture of how you've worked with a customer. You know, how did they engage with the platform? What was the ROI or benefit? that they saw from working with you? Yeah, sure. So one of our customers, it's a brand aggregator in the toy space. So basically they're an Amazon aggregator. They have multiple brands. Uh, They needed very fast connectivity uh, to 10 of their brands to really launch them on Walmart, Target, different marketplaces, but also connect them to warehouses, East Coast and West Coast. Okay, we were able in two weeks to get them set up in all the marketplaces that they wanted, 10 brands. And then within four weeks, we were able to basically connect them to warehousing and less mile. So we basically opened East Coast and West Coast for them, making them closer to their customers. Right. Allowing them to uh, really put all the requirements because it's customizable on the platform. So they can say what platform, what a marketplace, sorry, they uh, want the specific SKUs to go to. Right. So they can manage it in the way they needed for their business. Um, We were able to reduce their logistics cost by 15 percent. Wow. Yeah. And big number. Yeah. And they increased the revenue by 20% just by providing all that connectivity. Think about it. Revenue, revenue streams for them very, yeah. very fast. And again, it's the speed because a brand today, they're not going to wait eight months to get connected mm-hmm. to warehouses and uh, marketplaces. That's revenue loss. Absolutely. So you were able to save the money. And bring in new revenue that they didn't even know was possible, which is crazy. But that's what that's what these companies really want from partners, from the companies that they're going to work with. They want to know that you've got their back. They want to know that you are thinking strategically, not only about your business, but also about their business as well. I love and that. The, the interesting there's it was an interesting thing with them with bloated inventory because when they came to us they got stuck with a lot of SKUs and just by opening those additional shell channels within season they were able to relieve some of that inventory so wow. that was a big deal for them and then communicating with manufacturers uh, in real time and saying okay hold on these SKUs for the next six months because you know even in in fashion you plan out right. 
Yep. But what happens now, there's disruptions, as we've seen <laughs> in the last few years. What do you do? How do you stop this? Bloated inventory is the major issue from a revenue perspective, uh, perspective but also from an environmental <laughs> perspective. Well, it's also very capital intensive, right? The longer inventory sits there or depending on what you're doing with that inventory, it holds a bunch of capital that you could be using elsewhere. Exactly. All right. So you mentioned data when we were talking about AI. And one of your missions is to tackle the data chaos in supply chain. So what exactly is data chaos? Because I know a lot of us make jokes about Excel, but it's not just that, right? It's complicated. So what are the, you know, the issues and the challenges we're seeing when it comes to data? And what exactly is data chaos? First of all, some people are still using Excel. Just a lot of people are using. <laughs> yep. A lot of people. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, for especially, you know, smaller brands, direct-to-consumer brands who started at e-com uh, business and then really, really scaled in the last three years, mm-hmm. suddenly they're connected to a bunch of different marketplaces. The business is scaling. Um, they want to be cohesive in the way they're telling the story. But the data is overwhelming. You have right. to filter through the data and all and, and for bigger retailers, they're using older systems, right, Sarah? So how does that fit in all the ERP, the older systems, ERPs? How do they fit in with what's happening in e-commerce? A lot of these are legacy systems that just don't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't want to change everything. So right. that's where data is everywhere, sort of like our lives, right? We're juggling so many things. <laughs> yes, we are. So it's like you're juggling all these systems, you're juggling all these marketplaces, all these selling touch points. Um, but how do you make the data work for you? And that's where I think, you know, getting that connectivity, it's going to be about connectivity and then providing the insights and then the actions for executives to really filter through the data. Well, and so what is your vision for that future? Like, how should data across supply chains look in an ideal world? And how are you helping your customers to make that happen? So I think, you know, a lot of companies are talking about AI and really uh, how to get the advantages that AI can provide. But it's all about proprietary data. Yeah, because you want to make sure that the data that the AI is using and utilizing is the relevant data. And with us, we're touching proprietary data for with our partners at every touch point. If it's like manufacturing, and then um, I don't know warehousing, and that last mile. So think about when we grow, and as we grow the ecosystem, those touch points are of great significance because we can provide the feedback just like for a beauty segment industry or sneakers, we'll have enough data to even share more accurate um, insights, AI insights. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everybody is contending with data, like lots of data. What do we do with that data? What's good data? What's bad data? Which is the data that we want to, we want to really be able to utilize. And I think, you know, partners like an OSA, can really help fig- help you figure that out and figure out what you need to be able to move that forward. Now, one of the things that you talked about was speed. And yeah. a lot of times when I'm having these conversations, um, it's about onboarding and integration, right? You talked about change management earlier. 
What does integration and onboarding look like? Because that is probably the number one hesitancy when looking at a new partner or vendor, right? It's like, how long is this going to take me? And how much IT resources do I need? Yeah. And then who are the people exactly that are going to manage this internally? That's a really tough thing for companies trying to scale. Uh, for us, it was the base of what we built. We really wanted to make it agile, fast, flexible. It's also a cloud tenant, a multi-cloud tenant. So mm-hmm. we're very flexible in that as well. Um, it's four to six weeks. That's our onboarding time. We're able to nice. basically connect our partners. We have 440 preset integrations. So the majority of marketplaces, uh, Shopify, mm-hmm. e-commerce, we're already connected to all of those. So it's very easy right. for us. It's a plug and play. They basically very friendly platform. They click on it. They choose how they want to be connected and they can set the rules uh, as they see fit for their business. Just with a click of a button. That is like music yeah. to my ears. I've got to make it as, as easy as possible. I, I go back to, you know, that, um, is it the simple method or something like that? You yeah. keep everything simple. Um, yeah. And we, because sometimes I feel like we overcomplicate thing and, things and it really doesn't need to be that way. No. And then I think onboarding, the fact that time to utility is that fast, it really resonates with brands. They don't have the yeah. time. So yeah. Absolutely. Impactful. So alongside data integration and digitization comes a risk, right? You talked about how one of your founders has a background in cybersecurity. And you say that cyber crimes have already increased by 300% since since the pandemic. I'm starting to hear more about cybersecurity. It is one of the biggest risks, I think, to supply chain in 2023. Um, But I'm not hearing as much as I think I'd like on the topic. So what do supply chain professionals need to think about when they're driving digital transformation projects? And we're going to link to a blog, actually, that OSA has on their website to dive a little bit more into this. But if you can give us some high level EFAT, that would be great. Yeah, I think when you're touching data and your customer's data, you should know that comes the responsibility of protecting that data. Um, And we're touching so many different uh, pieces of that journey, but also the finance, financial aspect of that journey. Uh, I think we're very unique in the sense that we have my co-founder that comes from this background because the way he built the framework was really keeping that in mind of how sensitive uh, it is to touch different systems from different companies and how do you secure it and how do you ensure it's yes. locked down and protected. Um he also, we build it on blockchain. So we're not selling blockchain as a product. It's not commercialized, but it's part of the reasons our partners can utilize it with a private and public ledger. So it allows, again, that cybersecurity mindset, but also if a partner wants to communicate authentically with their end consumer, how they're producing, manufacturing, how they're shipping uh, let's say for sustainability purposes, they're able to communicate that with their end users in a very authentic way. So, Yeah. And when you think about, I mean, when you think about what you just said, it's no surprise that cybersecurity is one of the top risks for supply chains because there's so many moving parts, right? There's so many people involved. There's so many hands that it touches. There's so many systems that it needs to travel through. 
And so, like you said, we have to be very diligent on those connections, those integrations, those vendors, those partners that we work with that have this top of mind and making sure that those interactions are being done securely on our behalf. And, I, and I'll share with you something that happened without naming names. We had a client, a big client that had an issue uh, with their system and they reached out to us. They're utilizing our platform and it had nothing to do with our platform. But because we are people process platform and we have that background of the people that do cybersecurity for the last 20 years, yeah. they were able to assist the client even though it had nothing to do with our system mm -hmm. and those back channels to solve an issue where they had contained, they got locked out of their system. They had containers sitting around with wow. not no ability to access them. So it's really important also when companies are selecting, I think, technologies today to really understand who are the people behind the technology, because having a great product is important, but exact, exactly with disruptions, it's important who is who is moving those parts in the technology behind Absolutely. the closed doors? It makes it makes such a difference, especially when you can lean on them in times that for something that you're not necessarily working with them on, sure. but can come along with the product, right? With the partnership that you're creating with that vendor. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's all about the collaboration. That's why collaboration exactly. is the future of business, which you can see behind me. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk about helping your clients to stay one step ahead and achieve a competitive advantage, which we talked about before, right? In such a difficult climate, why is that so important? Like, what are some of the trends that you're utilizing when helping your customers? And maybe what should organizations be thinking about as we look towards the end of 2023? I think, you know, if I look at 3PL, because we talked a little about brands, so maybe I'll touch on 3PLs, it definitely gives them a competitive advantage utilizing these technologies. First of all, they can white label the solution and upsell it to their customers. And we have a lot of partners that do that. And, you know, brands are demanding a lot from these 3PLs today. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely a key point that puts them above um, and meeting their customer demand. Um, in terms of, you know, speed, again, it's just like utilizing the technology in a way that gives you that speed and agility to face different disruptions in real time. Um, and the collaboration piece in terms of partnership, because the integration is such a big piece of this, you can connect different things in the ecosystem, different partners in a very fast way to leverage and, you know, support your business. Well, yeah. And especially if it's a competitive advantage, you want to take it, you don't want it to take months for it to kick in, right? You want to be starting a lot sooner. It's speed to market. That's part cool. of that competitive advantage. How fast can I get this up and running? How fast can I bring this solution to my customers? How fast can I have a new revenue stream in my business? Exactly. I mean, isn't that what everybody wants? <laughs> and and 3PLs are going through now. You know, it's hard. We know hiring is very hard like yeah. uh, for 3PLs. And one of our partners, we just did a, a case study with them. They were able to uh, reduce the time uh, for order processing by 60%. Ooh, wow. So within the warehouse, that also is very impactful what happens with the technology, right? How are you creating that speed when maybe you don't have the manpower uh, to support? 
That is so. such a great point. And I'm glad that you brought that up. I can't believe we're at the end of this conversation because I think you and I could talk for a very yeah. long time. Um, what does the future hold for OSA? I mean, I'm sure there's so many things that you're working on. You probably can't tell us them all, yeah. but uh, let us in on what we can expect from OSA in the future. We really believe that the ecosystem is the power here. Um, and really that not one solution can really solve this entire chaos, right? Um, so it's all about collaboration, like we said a few times already, yeah. and really building those partnerships. And as that ecosystem becomes stronger and stronger, we can do better for our customers. So mm -hmm. the collaboration is also with companies that maybe in one instance we are competing, but on another instance we're collaborating and building a full-scale solution. And that's happening right now. And I'm really excited about that because I think that's what's going to bring real, you know, solutions to brands and retailers that are going to make an impact and an environmental and impact too. Yeah. And I cannot wait to see what else you come up with. In the wake of major supply chain disruptions, businesses worldwide continue to grapple with significant challenges. To gain a competitive edge, companies must prioritize operational improvements, risk minimization, agility, and innovative solutions. And that is where choosing the right partners comes into play. OSA is built for the future, delivering speed, accuracy, and transparency across your entire supply chain so that you can streamline operations, boost customer satisfaction, save costs, and position yourself at the forefront of the e-commerce revolution. If you want to find out more, you can check them out at OSA, OSAcommerce.com. And did you have a guess at today's big question? Well, at the top of the show, I asked you, according to a recent report, what percentages of supply chain managers say that they are using Excel spreadsheets as their primary management tool. Well, hold on to your hats, people, because it's a huge 67.4%. That is shocking. No oh. wonder there is data chaos across the supply chain. Yifat, thank you so much for joining thank me. You. And thank you to the team at OSA for making this episode happen. I really appreciate you coming on the show and talk to, talking you. to us about OSA. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks. <laughs> Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. And if you have a supply chain challenge, we have most likely had the solution on our show. So use the search bar 
on our website, put in the keyword and that content will come up and you can actually listen to an episode and find out if they're the right fit for you or if you're the right fit for them. And remember to come back next week. I'm going to be joined by Greg from MFG Shapewaves and we are going to be talking all about manufacturing. Now, this is going to be an episode that you do not want to miss because they are doing some really impactful things for the industry. And we're going to do a deep dive into their business, what it means for you as a potential client, if you are looking for those kinds of services, and what the future of the industry is going to look like. If you enjoy the show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. We're also over on TikTok. You can subscribe to us over on our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, and subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool merch for that supply chain professional in your life, or even find our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. And remember, if you have not taken the quiz and joined the waitlist for the Secret Society of Supply Chain, you do not want to miss out. We have three very active, very important groups um, with exclusive content for some, from some of the biggest retail names like Best Buy, Zappos, Stitch Fix, Macy's, and they're giving us all the insights into their supply chain challenges and how they solve them. Plus, we've got monthly meetup groups for women in supply chain and for marketing professionals in supply chain. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.